Today's podcast is brought to you by our friends over at realmushrooms.com. Realmushrooms.com slash Ben. Use the code BPAC if you're a first-time customer to get 25% off. This is an unheard of savings. And they're hooking you up because you are a loyal listener of the Muscle Intelligence Podcast. If you're a returning customer to Real Mushrooms, you can use the code MUSCLE for 20% off and for all orders thereafter. If you've been listening to the podcast for any duration of time, you know that this amazing company has been a longtime sponsor because their products work. I spend time vetting every one of our sponsors. This podcast has been sponsored by Real Mushrooms probably for coming up on four years. They continue to come back because you're supporting them. Every one of our listeners, or at least many of our listeners, choose to support Real Mushrooms, not because of I say so, but because they find incredible results and this reality that Real Mushrooms is the highest quality mushrooms that exist anywhere. Many of the mushroom ingredients or mushroom products that you're purchasing in the U.S., or maybe even in, in Europe, that I'm, I don't know, but definitely in the U.S., they are often weighted with micellinated grain. So they grow them on grain. You're actually paying for the grain. You're not actually paying for the active ingredient. With real mushrooms, we know we're getting 100% fruiting body. That's 100% organic. So you're going to get the actual benefits rather than really getting ripped off and, and paying for this micellinated grain. And whether or not there's benefits to the mycelium, uh, remains to be seen, but ultimately we know there's additional weight being added through this grain that it's being grown on. And ultimately there's no benefit in eating grain with your mushrooms. Ladies and gents, use realmushrooms.com because ultimately it's, we want what we pay for and we want effective results and effective ingredients. And we know that this company has been vetted. I'm a huge fan of lion's mane. I take three grams of lion's mane at least once a day, usually before bed. I often will take reishi mushroom as well. I don't take it as consistently, but I'd say I take it three or four times a week. Certainly when my stress is elevated, I find reishi to be really effective for me as far as calming me down and regenerating my immune system. If I feel like I'm coming down with something, the first thing I suggest to myself and anybody else is reishi mushroom. So once again, ladies and gents, head over to realmushrooms.com slash Ben and use the code BPAC for 25% off. Now back to the show. As we kind of embark on this conversation around what it takes to build muscle nutritionally, we spend a lot of time talking about optimization of performance in the gym. And that's a big piece, right? You have to create the signal. When I often, you guys will hear me talk about creating the signal, creating the signal. There's also a multitude of signals that your body is constantly receiving from the world. And so I want to start today by kind of defining all of the signals, because I want you guys to realize that in order to truly optimize your body and optimize your mind, ultimately, you must learn to uh, take control or at least become aware of all of the signals going into your body. So in this exact moment, your body is perceiving potentially millions of pieces of information, the light, the sound, the temperature, the pressure of your feet or your butt against the seat, uh, all these different sensory pieces of information. So your five senses are taking it in, right? So you guys have heard me talk about the six pillars, and there's really only six things that you can do to influence your body. And the way I look at these when I'm creating a plan is they're literally signals. Some signals are louder than others. Some are softer than others. And your body's adapting to these signals. Think of them like six volume knobs, right? Some of them are turned way up and your body's really, really pushing on hot, on hot for that. Some of them are kind of not really on at all. And so the six pillars for your information, if you guys are curious, you can write them down really simply. So when we think of the human system, the way I envision this is if I, if I drew myself on a whiteboard, 
So there's there's band in the middle. On the outside, I have these six things. And, and you know, the first one is movement, no particular order, but the first one is movement. So it's how we move. Then it's nourishment. So it's how we eat. Then it's ultimately how we breathe, which is like stress, an indication of stress. Then it's uh, how we think, obviously a mindset. Then it's how we sleep. Those are the those are the primary five. And the sixth one is the environment in which we do them. And and the environment encompasses light, which is by the way the single biggest influence on the human system is light by far. Actually, um, we are light beings. I know that sounds kind of uh, woo woo and esoteric, but in reality. Every cell in our body is producing infrared light every minute. So if you were to turn off the light, and you guys get this, if you if you were to look through infrared goggles, um, you see people, you can see them. That's because we are emitting light. We just can't see it with the naked eye. So it's light, it's air, so air quality, it's uh, EMF. So any type of uh, frequencies in the air is, is influencing the system, and people. Those are your four kind of primary inputs from the environment. But those are all really significant inputs. So to refresh, it's movement, nourishment, um, thoughts, thinking, um, sleep, breathing, and the environment. So as I'm devising a plan, I'm aware of how each of these is influencing your system. So everyone's system is responding to stress in every moment. If some of them are turned up high, it could change the requirement of nutrients. So if I'm training really, really hard and I'm crushing it in the gym, all my muscles are sore, I actually change my nutrient requirements. If I'm pushing really hard in a, on a neurological-based workout, meaning a strength-based workout, I change my nutrient requirements. If I'm doing a lot of endurance work, I change my nutrient requirements. If I'm training in, intensely in weights or higher-intensity aerobic fitness, I change my nutrient requirements. So I'll get into all those a little bit as I kind of work my way down. And I got to do my best to get through this as quickly as possible. It's, it's usually a long conversation. So the first thing we consider when um, addressing any diet is not the food, right? So I could feed a, uh, I don't know, an elk steak and wild green vegetables to everyone, and it's not going to have the same physiological result or response or biochemical response in the body. So all of you guys are going to eat food and respond differently to it. Why? Some of you will get fat. Some of you will get lean. Some of you build muscle. Some of you won't get any response at all. Why? Because we all have a different internal, call it like this internal biochemical reality. What's influencing the biochemical reality? Our genetics, our history, and the six pillars. That's it. There's really a few things that are influencing this internal biochemical reality. And I, as your coach, need to be aware of all these things that are creating this biochemical reality. So the first thing I want you guys to acknowledge is the state that your body is in when you consume consume food matters, right? So we want to be aware of, you know, if I eat chicken and broccoli or whatever, elk and broccoli, is my body ready, willing, and able to receive, absorb, digest, and assimilate this food? Digest, absorb, assimilate, right? Processes. So the answer is for most of us, well, it depends, right? And so what does that mean? when I, If I just go to consume food, I have to be aware of this physiological state that my body is in. Okay. So you guys have heard me talk in the past about the autonomic nervous system. Just to refresh your memory, sympathetic nervous system is the stress system. It's about mobilizing energy, releasing energy into the blood for more activity, movement, output, sympathetic drive. It's catabolic in nature. It breaks you down. The other side is parasympathetic. It's anabolic in nature. It's about recovery, 
rejuvenation, replenishment, uh, rest and digest. So the state, the relative flux of the autonomic nervous system when I consume food is very important. So if I just said this parasympathetic nervous system is, is the system of anabolism, growth and recovery, whereas this, paras- this sympathetic system is the system of catabolism or breakdown in energy uh, mobilization, then I want, to be cons- I want to be aware of the dynamic between these two systems because if I'm trying to burn fat, I probably want to spend more time in this, well, maybe in this output-based system, whereas I'm trying to build muscle, I want to spend more time in this anabolic recovery-based system. So it's, it's this dynamic balance between uh, these two systems that ultimately determines what our body looks like on the outside, right? And, you know, there's, a, there's an interaction of a number of things, but this, when it comes to how I determine training volume and load and nutrition, that's ultimately what I'm looking at is the state of your nervous system and the state of your, ultimately what your body is expressing. And I can, I can get into that in more detail if you have questions. So if we first just start with, this, this piece of meat here in my hand, not literally, but I have, a, I have an elk steak in my hand. I'm going to say, I'm going to consume this piece of elk. In order for my body to actually take this thing, digest, absorb, assimilate, so digest, break down, absorb, pull into the, the bloodstream, assimilate, turn it into muscle tissue. There's a bunch of stuff that needs to happen to turn elk into human, right? I have to go from this whole food state into effectively its its base unit and then reassimilate it back up into muscle tissue. So, well, the first thing that needs to happen when it goes into my mouth is I need to chew it. And why is chewing important? And this is so overlooked when it comes to optimization of, of nutrition, because as you, if I swallow an entire piece of steak, the outside of the steak is exposed to the acid and enzymes. So the outside of the steak will get absorbed, but the inside of the steak may pass through me completely undigested. And that can cause additional problems as far as, I'll get into that in a second, as far as your body absorbing and assimilating larger larger particles of protein leading to leaky gut, uh, can lead to autoimmunity, can lead to inflammation. It's so important that if we want to absorb, digest, and assimilate these foods that we're consuming, that we start with proper amounts of chewing. And that sounds kind of like a waste of time and redundant, but most of us eat in a rush, right? Most of us are like, I just got to get this in and I want to consume calories but you may be absorbing and assimilating a small percentage of the food you're actually eating. So instead of investing huge amounts of of money in high quality foods and pooping it out, take the time to chew, take the time to digest, um, to to break it down and then digest the food you're actually consuming. So as as I chew food thoroughly, I expose more of the surface area to the acids and enzymes in my stomach to allow them to start breaking it down. That's a really important process. Now, as we age, um, people will often say, well, how much protein can I actually break down in a meal? It's a very important question. The answer is, as we age, it becomes less and less and less, not because that's a curse that you're, you're stricken with forever, but instead because our cells are usually deteriorating. So as we age, people's cellular health is usually less effective. They have less mitochondria. They're just more redox uh, inflammation or some more, more redox uh, oxidative stress, more inflammation. So if these things are going up, and my cellular quality is going down. Does that mean you're cursed with that forever? No, that means we have to pay attention to inflammation, stress, and oxidative stress, or oxidative stress. If you're paying attention to those things well, your digestion may not slow down, may not break down. But if it is, let's say you're aging, then we wanna make sure we're supporting these enzymatic processes and these acids with supplements. Some of you guys, not all, but some of you guys are taking digestive enzymes. Some of you guys are taking HCL. 
which is effectively supporting what your body naturally does anyways, in a way that allows you to actually get the most out of the nutrients you eat. Some people go through life hungry, not because they don't eat enough food, but because their body isn't actually pulling out what they need. So if I could see a mistake and I'm still hungry afterwards, I'm like, man, what's going on? Well, maybe my body hasn't actually broken down enough yet, or maybe it never will break down enough because my transit time ultimately from top to bottom is fast. And my body may not pull up what it needs. So we need to be aware of that as people want to optimize our process. So then okay, I move down, I'm in the gut, I'm in, in the stomach now. I want to make sure that I have enough enzymes, enough acid moving through into the, into the colon. We want to make sure we have a diverse microbiome. Right. So assuming we have enough acid, we have enough enzymes. Again, some of you guys are taking enzyme supplementation. Some of you guys are also taking probiotics. Probiotics live in, in the large and small intestine. And ultimately, those help to break down food beyond what they're normally would be broken down to, produce additional things to help your body process these, these nutrients. Okay. So this is a big consideration. Is your body prepared to uh, receive the food? Is it able to break it down? Are you doing what's necessary to break down the food? Simple start, right? The big takeaway, you are not what you eat. You are what your body does with what you eat. So start looking for those, those little nuanced things that we can do before, before eating, during eating, after eating to make sure my body is doing it really well. Here's a few more things for you. All of you guys at some point have heard me say that before every meal, I sit down and I breathe. I will usually sit down and do a little meditation. In most instances, it's about 10 breaths. It takes me about five seconds in, five seconds out. It's about 100 seconds in total, not very long. So I'll take about 100 seconds. I'll sit in meditation. And I'll literally, and first, I'll envision my body just simply slowing down. All my muscles relax. My face relaxes. My shoulders relax. All the muscles in my body relax. And I'm literally saying, and then I'm going to ask my body to receive these nutrients that I'm putting in. You guys can choose to do that or not. I just tend to do that. Um, I want my body to be in the optimal state to receive these nutrients because I want to be, I want to be energized by food. I don't want to be ultimately uh, sapped of my energy from food. Anybody ever finish a meal and feel like, God, I feel terrible or I feel tired? Well, from my, in my experience, the more I just allow my body to get in that proper state, the more I encourage my body to do what it's actually meant to do. So that's one thing we can do. Second thing, if you do know that you have any type of bloating, indigestion, gas around meals ever, none of that is normal, by the way. It's common, but it's not normal. I mean, it's, it's not normal. It's not supposed to be there. Taking some hydrochloric acid, here's exactly how you guys should do this. Hydrochloric acid usually comes in somewhere between 500 and 600 units. It's usually international units per capsule. And my suggestion is you take one in the middle of a meal with every meal that day. And if you don't feel any like acid reflux, any acid burn, the next day you try two with each meal. And the third day you try three with each meal until at, when you finish the meal, after the meal, maybe like 30 to 40 minutes later, you actually feel like there's a little like burning in the back of your throat. If you do feel that it's too much, back off by one. And that's probably the approximate number that you'll need to support digestion. So I suggest everyone try this. It, so, and here's the things that are killing your gut, right guys, you guys should know this. If you've ever taken antibiotics in the last 10 years, your gut's broken. If you drink alcohol in the last five to 10 years, your gut's probably broken. If you consume chlorinated water, like tap water, your gut's probably broken. If you're consuming fluoridated water or dental um, products, your, your microbiome's probably broken. If you're consuming pesticides, which is non-organic foods, your gut's probably broken. If you're consuming pharmaceuticals, there's probably issues with your gut. If you're consuming plastics, your gut's probably broken. Guess what? We're all fucked up. 
So we need to support it, right? We need to do things to one, be, be somewhat neurotic about not consuming this stuff. Like I no longer drink from plastic unless it's like an absolute, like I probably three times a year will drink from plastic. Everything in my house is, is glass or metal. I don't consume anything that comes from the tap. I don't consume any fluoride. I don't consume any, I try not to consume any non-organic foods for every minimal. Some I can. I think you realize your body is, is resilient, right? You're not going to die. Your body's resilient. But ideally, you just try to remove it all. The more you can just take it away, you're just making your life easier. So many of us feel like we're hitting our head against the wall, not making progress. Just remove all the simple shit. And all of a sudden, your body does what you want it to do. Your body, this is an important thing. Your body wants to be lean. Your body doesn't want to be fat. Your body wants to be lean, healthy, and muscular. That's where it wants to be. You just got to remove all the dumb shit that we do that causes it to be like that. And it's not your fault because ultimately the government is allowing chlorine and fluoride and pesticides and all this shit to be in your water, which is literally, you know, castrating you and your children. Side topic, truth, but side topic to start being a little bit aware of all the things going into your body and how it's negatively impacting your system. To take enzymes between meals, the two times I take enzymes is right when I wake up and right when I go to bed, never with food. I'll tell you why it's a difference. Because it's going to go into my digestive tract and it's going to break down any undigested foods and really decreases inflammation. So one of the best ways to decrease systemic inflammation and actually improve health is by taking enzymes on an empty stomach. And so as soon as I add food, then those enzymes are all going to be going to the, the digestion and breakdown of food. But if I don't have any food in my system, the enzymes actually go to uh, go into the system and actually can work at a place other than your GI tract, if that makes sense. They can go work systemically rather than in the GI. Hopefully, I've driven home slightly the importance of not just what you eat, but what your body does with what you eat, the digestion, absorption, assimilation of nutrients. So. There's a number of things that can impact what your body does with what you eat. And if you acknowledge that if I eat food and it sits in my gut and it's passing through undigested, it's going to drive up inflammation. When, and, and if you guys have heard me speak about nutrition, there's two lenses through which I make decisions with respect to diets. It's first, decrease inflammation. Two, feed the microbiome. And if there's a third one, it's fuel performance. So those are the three kind of lenses through which I make decisions. First one is like, don't drive up inflammation no matter what you do. Minimize inflammation. So if you know a food is inflammatory for you, don't eat it. Just completely remove it. Find something to replace it. Again, so for some people, gluten is inflammatory. For other people, dairy is inflammatory. Not for everybody, for, for some people. The one thing that's inflammatory for everyone is vegetable oil. Grains are usually inflammatory for most, if not all people. So, soy and corn are mostly inflammatory because they're genetically modified. They're not organically naturally grown. They're genetically modified with uh, just so, so they're, they're more resistant to these, um, to like bugs or, or pesticides, and they can just grow them more and grow them faster. So I would suggest eliminating corn, soy, vegetable oil, dairy, and um, gluten, which is all of the grains. If you're doing that, your body will want to, if you decrease your inflammation, I guarantee you, if you just decrease your inflammation, your body starts to lose fat because your body, the cells start to work more effectively. Your body becomes better producing energy. So energy is the root of it all, right? And if the cell, think of the cell being like, like wrapped in like viscous honey versus water. And so this viscous honey, this, this like, you know, call it the inflammatory surrounding prevents the cell from doing what it's supposed to do, which is ultimately produce energy and produce new proteins. So if the cell can't do that correctly, you're, you're going to deteriorate. You're going to age. You're not going to have an abundance of energy. You're going to deteriorate. So we have to like 
start eating to fuel cellular optimization, which at the root of it all is don't overconsume calories and don't drive up inflammation. So that's a simple way to think about eating. Now, if we start talking about eating for muscle building itself, then we have to start looking at macros. So there's a couple of considerations. You guys probably don't care a lot about this, although you may in time. So there's two numbers that I need to know when I'm building out your diet. I need to know your BMR and your TDE. Your BMR is your basal metabolic rate. Your TDE is your total daily expenditure. I need to know those. And those are variable person to person. The calculation I use is called the Mifflin St. Jor. Jor is J-E-O-R. Mifflin St. Jor. And the reason I use that, it's, it's proven to be most accurate. So if I have to pick any of you guys, usually I can guess within about 50 calories what your BMR is and about 50 calories what your TDE is. So your TDE is what you burn. So your BMR is what you burn in a coma. So if you did nothing, you're sitting on the couch in a coma, that's your BMR. If you're doing TD, if, you, if we look at TDE, that's BMR plus a certain coefficient that says, hey, this is how much this person's burning during during the day with your activity level, with your muscle mass, with your workouts. So again, that's a, that's a coefficient that's approximated based on some factors like age and activity level, et cetera, uh, metabolism. If we, if we gauge that and we guess that, or we calculate that, then we know approximately where to start. So let's say your TDE may be 2,600. Maybe it's a little more than that. Maybe I'll probably get there. Your BMR may be 2,300, 2,200. So in general, now your BMR may be a little bit lower. But so let's say in general, if we're, we're going to start you on a muscle building diet, we start you at your TDE. So I know this is the minimum that you need every day if you're active, you're training, you're moving you're at, at your body weight. Now, if I want to gain muscle, I'd probably add about 10% of that to start. So super easy, 2,600, puts him to 2,860, and he's, he's okay, let's see what your body does with that. If we're not gaining muscle fast enough, we'll bump another 10%. As these slow incremental increases from there. If we want to lose fat, now it depends on the timeline. So if we want to lose fat quickly, we want to go uh, certainly under the TDE, right? And depending what your body is able to uh, withstand, some people can produce energy well. So if you're someone who's metabolically healthy or metabolically fit or flexible, your body can pro- you could probably withstand very low calories and actually not feel bad because you have so much stored energy, your body knows how to use it, right? So if you're healthy metabolically, we can drop your calories, we got to lose fat really quickly. But most people, they just their body doesn't know how to use it. Their body is so used to having this constant flow of carbohydrates or, or nutrients, that the body doesn't know how to use stored energy. So we literally have to go through a phase of teaching the body how to use the stored energy more effectively. And that really requires improved aerobic fitness, decreased stress, decreased inflammation, all these boxes that I always check in phase one for you guys. So when you start, you guys don't know what we're doing, but that's kind of what's going on in my head. It's like, hey, here's some really simple boxes we need to check. Improve the microbiome, decrease inflammation, improve insulin sensitivity, improve aerobic fitness, improve sleep, right? Really simple boxes we need to check to get your body better at actually tapping into that stored energy and using it instead of always needing calories, right? So if any of you guys have ever gone in a slightly caloric deficit and felt like shit and felt like you lack energy and you're tired all the time, like I got a cat, I don't have energy or motivation, that's often the absence of metabolic flexibility. The body can't pull out nutrients out of the fat. So we have to train it to do it again. That could take three months. So once we've determined your BMR and your TDE, here's a simple way to, to determine how to build a diet. This is literally what I do. I say one gram of, of pound, one gram of protein per pound body weight, approximately. If you, some people we go a little bit higher, some people go a little bit less, but in general, it's about one gram per pound. 
if you're training hard and consistently every day, I'll start at about a gram of carbohydrate per pound, and then I'll fill the rest with fat. If you're over 20% body fat, 20, 22% body fat, I'm not giving you a gram per pound of carbohydrates. I drop that down by half. So I'll do about 0.5 grams per pound and, and then I'll fill the rest with fat. And the reason we do that, if you're over 20, 22% body fat as a guy, you're almost guaranteed to be insulin resistant. So we want to make sure that we don't give your body too many carbohydrates can cause additional insulin resistance. So typically we fill the, we fill the rest up with fat. What you may experience with lower carbohydrates is decreased performance. So carbohydrates, the way you guys want to think of it, it's like high octane fuel for your car. You won't notice if you're driving a car in, in fourth and you're going at 80 miles an hour, you're not going to notice. If you try to go into top gear and you, you put the, put the pedal down and you want to go into 120, 150 miles an hour, if you don't have carbohydrates, you're not going like you might just tap it and then it's gone. Does that make sense? Like basically you're losing the top gear. You may get it for a really short period, but it doesn't stay there. Carbohydrates help you feel that high gear and sustain over time. So that's the way to think about carbohydrate. It's a glycolytic system. It's dependent on glycogen for fuel. And I suggest as you guys are building, you actually want to build the size of your glycolytic engine. So you want your body to be better at using carbohydrates at a high level of intensity. Thanks for listening to the Muscle Intelligence Podcast. For full episode guides with important takeaways and bonus resources, head over to muscleintelligence.com slash learn. If you enjoy the show and find value in the content, please subscribe, share this podcast with at least one person you know and love who would benefit from this content. Leave us a review and support our sponsors. You can see the full list of show sponsors, discounts, and get exclusive Muscle Intelligence deals at muscleintelligence.com slash resources. To join our private community and get VIP access to my master classes upcoming muscle camps and other resources that we don't post anywhere else, head to muscleintelligence.com slash community. Most of all, thank you very much for your trust, for your time, and most importantly, for supporting health and fitness in this world. Enjoy your day. and I look forward to seeing you here next week. Thank you so much for tuning into Muscle Intelligence. If you enjoyed today's episode, please be sure to share it with at least one person you know. Make sure you're subscribed so you never miss an episode. This podcast is for information purposes only. The statements and views on this podcast are not medical advice. This podcast, including Ben Pikulski and the producers, disclaim responsibility for any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own, and this podcast does not endorse or accept responsibility for statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. This podcast may contain paid endorsements or advertisements for products or services. Individuals on this podcast may have a direct or indirect financial interest and products or services referred to herein. If you think you have a medical problem, consult a licensed physician.